Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. If your jet crashes in the woods, stay with the guy with super strength. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 410, The Patriot, is sponsored by the makers of Mace Case. Perfect for storing steroids on steroids, hush money, and even Girl Scout cookies. Mace Case. Look for it at your local Macy's. Pete, before we dive on into this episode, let's take a look at the road ahead. Some really great news as we work through this middle pod of episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, We had uh, this episode, of course, last night, and it looks like one, two, three, at least four more solid weeks uh, are scheduled. Pete, that's through Valentine's Day, so make sure that you share Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with someone you love. Um, and, uh, I, I think that's great. I, you know, I know there might be a break here and a break there, but splitting the season into thirds is definitely a nice way to do it. Episode titles and dates are out. Be careful what you're looking for. I can't believe spoiler P just said that. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, there's, uh, more in the pipeline here, uh, shortly available, and we're looking forward to bring it all to you. In addition to a little something else, Matt. Yes, working on working on something we don't want to quite quite reveal yet. However, uh, one thing that we can remind everyone about is, uh, of course, that uh, Iron Fist two months from yesterday uh, will be uh, hitting Netflix, and of course, our Iron Fist podcast will be uh, going live both on its own feed and on the uh, Pop Culture Podcast feed. So getting ready for some three-a-week Marvel. Can't wait. With that, Pete. When we catch you up on what went down, the teaser, Matt, director Jeffrey Mace at the podium in Sunbury, Pennsylvania, Uh, talking about how true heroes are not in it for the glory. And he's proud to announce here that Daisy Johnson can at last step out of the shadows and get the recognition she so richly deserves from her time, you know, undercover. Wink! By the way, Pete, I'm not entirely sure, but I am pretty sure that this was filmed on the uh, on the backlot at Warner Brothers, which has that kind of uh, that that stately exterior there. And if it is at Warner Brothers, that means that they are standing outside what used to be what used to be uh, the Gotham City Police Department in the 1960s Batman. Uh, and I'm I'm feeling that there's a, there's a major it's all connected going on here. That's entirely possible, as long as they aren't standing on the steps of the mayor's office from the 1989 Batman. I think we can all agree that that's a win. <laughs> um, nobody puts Mayor Lando in a corner, Matt, um, who, who was Harvey Dent. But anyway. <laughs> uh, but uh, today they're finally able to say thanks to uh daisy and and who's there but uh, a woman michelle caldwell that she saved who who gets to come to the podium and and uh explain how grateful she is all the while giving an opportunity for a agent suited mac matt and colson to exchange witty banter over comms First of all, Pete, I don't want to turn this podcast into GQ, but uh, Mac in a suit, that's a, that, that's a handsome fella. I don't mind saying that. Um, going back to Michelle Caldwell for a second, Pete, she remembers fire falling and then Agent Johnson saving her. Uh, interspersed with this uh, banter about which you were speaking, Pete, we also get uh, get a little view of Talbot, who is back as well. There's a reiteration that Burroughs is around as well. He's getting the old suitcase transfer. Not a metaphor, Pete. What's in there? Yes. Money, nuke codes, maybe even <laughs> Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, it's it's not the hush money. We all know that. What Colson refers to as the world's most conspicuous briefcase. Good alternate title for this episode, apart from... The Patriot, which is a nod to Jeffrey Mace's comic identity, would have been whatever 
the case may be. <laughs> um, it's at this point where, wait a minute, Pete, isn't there supposed to be a uh, an agent up on the roof there? Then there's the glint that shows a sniper on the roof. Chaos ensues, shots fired, assassination attempt on Mace. Uh, he's going to be taken to a safe house on the Quinjet uh, with Mac and Colson and Burroughs all in tow. Pete, we are off to the races. Yes, the uh, the the substance of the bullet, Matt, we will come back to for our level seven segment. But certainly as I can dig it, Pete, later, I know you can dig it. Not sure all fans of only Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. may dig it, though. So, you know, it is hashtag all connected. But, uh, you know, Daisy gets up on the roof there with uh, Talbot initiating the uh, the protocol as we head into the title card. Boom, act one. We are off to the races. We are back at Shield HQ where we see this uh, assassination attempt uh, kind of unfolding in real time. Pete, it's almost like that The 24 Legacy that we heard about at New York Comic Con. But I digress. Talbot is there to take the reins. And uh, great line there where he sends May in to question Lee Harvey, what's his name, uh, the shooter. It only occurs to me at this moment, Pete, that um, they maintain the pace from the teaser through the title card, despite surely this is like an hour later, you know, get get the shooter arrested, get him into the plane, get him back to Shield HQ and so on and so forth. It really feels like it is it is moments after the shooting, but they don't claim that. But through the magic of editing, it feels like that in our hearts. No easy feat as we transition to uh, Fitz and Radcliffe talking about Nathanson here, how they've now had a funeral, this this horrible situation that took place with Ada. Fitz talks about how tensions are running high, that Radcliffe should steer clear of HQ a couple more days, and the dramatic irony is only heightened by what we know that Radcliffe is messing with. Yeah, that idea to not come back... Is that just Fitz's idea? No, that's Asper, uh, the director, and Coulson. Um, speaking of Asper, he needs some aspirin to fix his headache. He he asks uh, Ada, I, I guess it's Ada Prime, right? Uh, asks Ada to uh, to get him that aspirin. It's also a handy storytelling way of reminding us that, you know, the main Ada is still around. Uh, with that, we move back to S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, May and Quake questioning the lackey. Um, really, really wonderful scene in which the show walks the edge perfectly of we are ahead of what May and uh, and Daisy are doing in terms of they're talking just loud enough about how this guy must be a lackey and so low on the totem pole as to offend his ego to make him spill the beans. It's like we see it coming, but he doesn't. It's a fine line, and it's uh, it's great, Pete. But there's there's a revelation, Pete, about the phases. This is only phase one. Yes, but I'll tell you, Matt, what's uh, at least phase three here, and that is the uh, doubling down on the visual connection in the tease to uh, the explicit here, Matt, of the reference to bullets that explode. They don't sell them on Walmart shelves just yet who's the supplier do you know who the supplier is matt pete i think i have a pretty good sense and i think i can dig it yeah you can indeed so i i dig that it's it's one thing to visually reference the judas bullets uh in in the teaser here but now we're talking about what the effect was and what this means going forward, I think, is at the very least very interesting. It's here that we're off to the Quinjet and uh, suddenly there are issues. Uh, Burrow can't even get Matt some bars, but that gets him in trouble. <laughs> that does it. Pete, when that when that light that seatbelt light is illuminated on your plane, you need to to live that with fidelity, even if it's a Quinjet. Um, they're they're trying to contact HQ. The pilot is having some issue. That's McCafferty, by the way. 
Um, and uh, Burroughs, he's going to walk around the plane because I guess moving it, you know, 800 miles an hour isn't enough. His belt is off, and then boom, out the window he goes. Suddenly they're crashing, you know, and we uh, we take that to the act break. Act two begins at the crash site here. Mac and Coulson come to, as does Mace. But poor McCaffrey, Matt, that pilot, he's been impaled by a rather sizable tree. I'm gonna I'm gonna toast my Guinness to uh, McCaffrey there. Uh, by the way, Pete, and I mean this not at all as a slam. Just want to point out that by virtue of having the act break as oh no we are starting to crash and then the return as we have crashed they save all the trouble of showing the actual crash that's called smart writing it is but mace has put uh these things together here the assassination attempt this crash it's not a coincidence no this is part of some protocol here a plan b Mac at this point has some insight, which basically is to quickly recap the the first act along with uh, his uh, fellow uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents there. Um, Mace, however, notes that search and rescue surely must be already on the way. Then there's a great line, Pete. If this was their plan B, I can't wait to see what their plan C is. Yeah, it shouldn't be far behind here. But even Coulson's hand, Matt, is out of range pete to see colson's hand out of wi-fi range it's a reminder pete that there are some people who actually have to live without constant contact to the internet it's scary out there pete it is scary out there sometimes they surmise that they'll need to get to high ground here but uh mace is first concerned with burrows that they have to find him um colson uh wonders along with mac whether this is the best possible plan but also understands that when you are alone in the woods you go with a guy with the super strength that in no way is setting up the shocking reveal later on which as we had discussed in previous podcasts i think we many of us could see coming there was a mace twist ahead but that doesn't well pete we'll talk about that when we talk about that we're instead going to move back to stately Radcliffe Torture Manor. Uh, we see that May is still out for the count, uh, and uh, Radcliffe is concerned, Pete, so concerned that she's not being hurt, because can we just be civilized here and recognize that when you capture somebody against their will, keep them in a, in a uh, you know, kind of hypnotic or, or, or depressed state, uh, and, and then feed them false images in, into their mind. Do it the right way, for goodness sake. The ante is explicitly upped in this scene here. Um, Ada brings up the idea that she would not terminate any other humans, which is an interesting choice of words given all the discussion last week about you know robots taking over and and bad things ensuing. And then the knowledge that uh, the may be, the may decoy as uh, Radcliffe refers to her is more advanced than the Ada he is speaking to. I know there was some discussion and we're going to examine that during our correspondence segment, whether or not uh, Ada, maybe, maybe Ada, who, who's wearing whose face at this point um, <laughs> with, with some of that. And, and that's, you know, perfectly understandable given the, the longer game that uh, Radcliffe acknowledges they're playing a little later in this episode. But uh, the, the, the May decoy is more advanced. She's also not aware of her mission. If she had such awareness, she would expose herself. It's it's interesting to, to to think how clearly this LMD storyline was being uh, cooked up as far back as the spring. You know, we kind of that that was the the zinger with which to end the season. And then in the interim, you know, there's all this extra robot discussion with Westworld and all of that. Let alone, as you said, Pete Terminator, and let alone uh, Battlestar Galactica and things of that sort. It's it's a surprisingly crowded. Um, space where you kind of feel like well if they're not ripping off 
BSG and they're not ripping off Terminator, not ripping off Westworld, what's left? Um, but I think still they're kind of making it, uh, making it their own there. But back to the story, uh, Talbot sends them off uh, to find Mace. And it's this point where May, a.k.a. May B, uh, requests uh, to receive higher clearance and uh, she gets it, Pete. Yeah, she said that Coulson would want her to take command of the Zephyr One. Talbot, meanwhile, explains he's going to get personally involved in the interrogation of uh, Lee Harvey. What's his face? And, uh, quote, squeeze the prisoner like a lime wedge on dollar beer night. Ah, such a fun character. Um, all of this is interrupted by him receiving a call from none other than uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, President of the United States himself. Uh, and, uh, of course, Talbot continues to have that hail to the chief. I do remember that right. Correct, Pete, that, that we've, we've heard that ringtone before? Hail to the chief? <laughs> I mean, we've heard Talbot have that ringtone before, I think. That I, I truly don't remember. Um, Matt, you're speaking speculatively. You, I, I, I like that you've not given a name. You know, this is Marvel Cinematic Universe president. We don't know which Marvel Cinematic Universe president this is because if they're following the same timeline we are, uh, there was a presidential election in November. Uh, Matthew Ellis may have been up for re-election. He also might have been running up against a term limit. Uh, so he may or may be, not maybe the android, um, <laughs> in the White House on the other end of that phone. Or it might be um, a couple other people. Um, here's my take on that, as, as if we didn't have enough to discuss in, 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 in our universe of, uh, of politics. Here's my take. I know some sources including um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, wiki, um, say that he was elected in 2008. There simply is no proof that he was elected at that point. And the first time he shows up in uh, Iron Man 3 is... Um, 2013. 2013. So he could have been elected in 2012. Correct. To me, here's As the bottom line. we discussed on the Luke Cage podcast where there is explicit and the only Marvel Universe reference to... Um, Barack Obama, uh, he he may not have been president yet. Uh, that is to say, Obama. So he could have just been elected in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and could have been on the other end of that phone call with Talbot, or it could have been the other guy, <laughs> or gal, um, or gal. Exactly. <laughs> bottom bottom line is this: if you can get here, here simply must be the discussion. If Marvel. Uh, you know, TV or film cares enough to have a a, a four-term, uh, pardon me, a four-year term, two-term limit, and you can get William Sadler at any point in the next four years, and there's no on-screen statement as to when he was elected, and he showed up in the 2012 to 2016 term, dude's getting reelected. So that's why, to, to pull back the conceit of, oh, it's all real, if you can get the actor back, you can have him be this, this, you can continue this continuity from 2013 all the way to 2020. So I think, Pete, that we can definitively mention now that President Matthew Ellis was reelected to a second and final term this past November. Well, Matt, I suppose all of this talk of politics is certainly apropos uh, with an inauguration in a couple days. But the upshot of the discussion that Talbot has with the president, whoever that may be, is that uh, he hopes that Director Mace has gotten it, Matt, whatever that is. And we, of course, can can draw the assertion that that is indeed the Mace case. The Mace case. Uh, we have a little check-in there with uh, Mace and company. They see the, the leftover Hydra rats patrolling the area. You know, they, they took out the lines, but there's still some, some rats scuttling about. Uh, the reiteration there about Mace wanting to find the case. Uh, then we return back to S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ. Fitz and Simmons reunited, the two becoming super-powered Fitzsimmons. There's a great little walk-and-talk scene as they make their way into the lab. Fitz is eager to reboot the Ada robot head. Now with Simmons in the know, Pete, 
one does not need to turn away from the knowledge. It, they'll get it right this time. Fitz certainly has high hopes, and Simmons, I think, a little more reticent. Yeah, and I pick that up more so from her. He's he's being asked by Simmons, you know, you collected your stuff from Radcliffe's place. Um, he acknowledges the mistake, uh, but it's like you said, he's hopeful. And I think a lot of scientists are like this, that they will attempt to repeat the same process with the hope of different results. It's kind of that, you know, reverse madness definition. Um, she's telling him, though, to, to drop it, to let it go, that their friends are missing. Uh, he mentions, though, he only wants to prevent things like this from happening to protect her. Matt. So Hart certainly in the right place. That superpowered, you know, restored brain of Fitz's maybe on the Fritz. Well, everybody knows that the best way to the best way to put confidence in your lady is to secretly lie to her about what you're doing with the robot head. So I'm sure this is all gonna go great for Fitz. However, back at Radcliffe's torture mansion, um, it's actually more of like a like a torture townhouse. Would you say, Pete? Uh, might be a maybe even like a. Um, I like to call it a uh, uncomfortable condominium. <laughs> Regardless, it's at this point when May works her way out of the coma, which I think instinctually, instinctively, we all knew she was doing. Uh, she pulls out her feeding tube. Pete, it's the old, I'm going to turn to the one side and pull something out from the other to make it look, you know, like I'm pulling a hammer out of my mouth or something. But it works because the notion of this big giant feeding tube down her, you know, up her nose and down her throat is gross. And it's got the right kind of viscera on it. Um, she pulls off her wires with that. Ada sees her, quickly grabs her by the neck and Radcliffe says no to end the act. Act three, immediately where we left off with Radcliffe imploring Ada, who previously said she wouldn't terminate anyone else, uh, not to kill May. A syringe suspiciously falls to the floor here. Eventually, Ada is able to grab it and inject it into May to render her unconscious. Radcliffe wants to know what was that. She was uh, supposed to be in a relaxing uh, simulation, a day spa there getting a hot stone massage. How hot did you make those stones, Ada? I wonder here, Pete, if there was maybe another 10 seconds of the scene that got cut for time or whatever, because I, as somebody who has seen all 76 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., can tell you it wasn't that the rocks were too hot. I think the the joke that is somewhat buried, or if it's just intentionally kind of kept so on the down low, that's like a, a nod to those of us who could figure it out. It's not that the rocks were too hot. It's that May at a day spa, she must have known that that was wrong from the get-go. She must have known, a la The Matrix, that this is a simulation. May going to a day spa, no way. It wasn't uh, painful enough you know the, the takeaway from the matrix that uh, we reject our programming when it's too ideal uh, so Radcliffe says here that uh, May must be made comfortable as we transition from uh, May A Matt to May B on the Zephyr 1 uh, and Daisy discovering her not just touching but sitting in Lola and Matt, I would like to posit that touching Lola is the getting coffee of Agents of Shield. Well, Pete, if that's the case, then let me read my notes to you. In the launch bay, May is in Lola with Daisy. So fire up that fanfic right away. Back to things definitively going on on screen. May has a vague memory of Colson in Madrid. Colson with a mustache, Pete. May also feels like something is off. Like what? Well, you know what, Pete? Before she can explore that feeling, which could have drastically taken the storyline in a, in a different direction, although I think by judging by the end of the episode, we're headed there. The crash signal has been hijacked, and there's all sorts of shenanigans going on. Yeah, and uh, meanwhile, we have uh, Coulson and Mace 
uh, noticing what Mace refers to as a fly in the ointment, uh, that things are not working out for them on the ground as they're attempting to make contact back with S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ. Uh, Talbot is interrogating the uh, Ruski prisoner that uh, he refers to him as in a little bit, wants to know how he and his compatriots knew the director would get on that plane after the assassination attempt to which he is told probability here that uh, the hammer, it shatters glass and hardens steel. You are glass. I'm glad that he didn't go for the I am rubber, you are glue uh, taunting of your your legally empowered captor. Um, with that, Talbot is off to get the hammer. And uh, he sees Fitzsimmons and ends up uh, revealing uh, that Simmons now has access to Project Patriot. Um, so certainly for, for, the, for the mace haters in the world, uh, of which I was one for, for most of this episode, hater kind of in quotes, you know, just kind of suspecting something was up. Pete, we're, we're hot on the trail here for the big reveal about Project Patriot. And indeed, we get the room cleared, which is done by Fitz saying, everybody out, and does the whirly finger, Pete. Yeah, um, certainly an interesting flourish and way to go in terms of dealing with this reveal. But Matt, it can't all happen in, in one nice, neat chunk, right? <laughs> no, we need the springboard of... Turns out there's a good reason Mace is never too far from that briefcase. Cut to Mace may be too far from that briefcase back in the crash site storyline. Yes, and uh, once they are able to overtake a couple of the thugs here, um, Mac gets a, uh, a shot, Mace gets the case, and he takes off, Matt, which, you know... Yeah, we all thought there was some hanky-panky going on with whatever is in the case. You know, is is this like in, uh, you know, some of the other Marvel Cinematic shows? Uh, again, Luke Cage being the, the most closely connected to this particular episode. Is there some kind of mechanic in it that uh, either through a, a signal or a, a direct connection allows him to, to have the powers but uh, pretty sure cowardice is not in there, which he exhibits when he runs the other way. Yes, Pete, the only thing that could have made it uh, less dignified for S.H.I.E.L.D. director Jeffrey Mace is if they had the Benny Hill music as he ran away. Um, <laughs> Jason O'Mara really does a nice uh, job and perhaps an undersung job of knowing when to play this tough guy as the tough guy, knowing when to play him as we saw last week where it's like, well, well you know, you, you know, Quake, I'm super powered. You're super powered. You know, like kind of a stuffed shirt. And here just a scared guy who's used to having a certain, a certain protection to him, uh, which is now completely gone. And as he opens the case here, once he's clear, we see that there are uh, two injectors inside of it i matt i don't know about you i was hoping for a little bit more instead of super serum oh i need to put it in there but of course one gets shot right away which you know okay dramatic storytelling but then the guy shoots the other one so now we're out of the magic beans I think that's why it was a super serum as opposed to it's his electrical power for his, you know, uh, poor man's Iron Man suit. It's a serum that looks really nice when it gets shot and, you know, splatters everywhere. Um, Speaking of shot. Right up Main Street. Maybe karma, maybe not. But he does take a shot. Uh, a million dollar wound, I believe they call that, Matt, right down Main Street. Pete, he gets shot where the way he acts to some people i'll let people put that one together on their own colson however puts the button on the scene making it clear to everyone 
Mace doesn't have powers at all. Act four, Matt, and uh, Mac makes Mace a uh, butt tourniquet. Um, and uh, I think those are called buttikits. <laughs> buttikit? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I want to know. Um, but uh, Coulson is, uh, you know, determined to get to the bottom here. Is this what's what's giving you the strength that we've just seen taken away here? Uh, Mace explains it was a unique cocktail that was put together. Mac refers to it always straightforward as steroids on steroids. The they, not quite sure who, but uh, Talbot's name is thrown around there, who with Fitz and Simmons uh, further discloses that the decision was made that the new director needed to be enhanced. And Simmons protests that they restarted Dr. Erskine's program. He of the super soldier, you know, Captain America, later winter soldier uh, serum. Well, Pete, that explains the blue, the blue hue to that goo. Uh, the fact that it is the super soldier serum, or at least a, uh, a take on it. So a, a nice visual continuity there. But it was essentially a placebo, Matt. It was only meant to be used when the new director needed to put on a show. Uh, however, without it, Matt, Mace is as strong as? Pete, they say a paper bag, but I'd rather it be a kite dancing in the wind and uh, think that maybe Hydra and Spectre can team up one day in the future. Pete, if the Spider-Mans at Sony Columbia and the Iron Mans at Marvel Studios can team up, can't we get our James Bond Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. crossover? I'm sure it's just a matter of time. Turns out, though, Mace only lied because he was under orders here. Um, so with uh, Coulson and Mac hoping to make use of a first aid kit in the Ranger station, they move on. They find another truck here. Uh, Simmons, meanwhile, is speculating that if they even survive, they're on the run from ex-Hydra thugs. Um and uh, Talbot, I thought, in a particularly good uh, line here, tells her that there's no need to be melodramatic and then calls her Poppins. <laughs> Indeed. My, my favorite of the Disney gals, by the way. Um, it is said, however, that they need ideas. What ideas? What is Simmons thinking? We get a bit of a, uh, a, of a cold cut to Simmons in the interrogation room. She starts to monologue about how she has learned from Hydra too, just as Hydra learned from S.H.I.E.L.D. She has proof that she can get inside this guy's, uh, this guy's head. Um, what is the Hydra ma mantra after all? Cut to, because of course, you know, cut off one head. Cut to Ada's severed head, extra blood added. And uh, with that, the shooter is talking, albeit off screen. The info is spreading quickly. And uh, just a wonderfully compact and written scene, Pete. Yeah, not necessarily, I think, predictable given, you know, what was floating around earlier in this episode in Ada's head, which continues to float around, Matt, given where Fitz leaves us come the end of the episode. But... Uh, you know, they, they turns out they weren't even searching in the right state here. Um, Mace Colson and Mac are in West Virginia, uh, in need of evac in need of evac though. They may be, it's time to, uh, it's time to suit up or shut up because Colson's solution is for the uh, director to put on the Patriot suit and it's time to bluff as we head to the act break. As Act 5 begins, Matt, we have the uh, ex-Hydra thug with the half-burned face we've seen at several points throughout this episode that uh, Mace begins to negotiate with um, as uh, Coulson and Mac make other plans here. Uh, indeed, there's a uh, diversion caused by Mac. He sneaks around. He blows up the truck. 
Um, Coulson protects uh, Mace with his hand shield. Great to see that back. Makes me kind of wish, Pete, that there was more with the hand, kind of more kind of Knight Rider stuff, you know. This week it can do this. This week it can do that. Probably restraint is the better decision there. Um, nonetheless, uh, Mac takes one of the bad guys into the barn. And just as Mace and Coulson are going to be breached, 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 that's when uh, we hear that familiar thump of uh, the quake power. And Daisy saves the day along with my hero and yours, May the Robot, who nobody knows is a robot, including May. Yes, and uh, Mac thinks it's about damn time. They tangle, of course, maybe comes out of it fine, but we see with a rather nasty um, boo-boo on the back there and a bent uh, saw blade on one of the tools. Can Can you remember a time before Henry Simmons was playing mac on this show because his his presence is not just the fact that he's a tall muscular guy it's not just the soft side that the character has pete this is somebody who can fight with an axe and that's not what the show was back in episode 101 when hacker sky and the red tide people were were you know bumping into the the fairly secret shield organization but boy does mac add a lot in terms of presence, in terms of story, and in terms of entertainment. Meanwhile, back at Radcliffe's here, he surmises that Agent May is resilient. The flaw isn't in the hardware. However, it's in the agent herself, that she needs a dragon to slay. Ada, of course, being literal, wants to know if she should design one but uh, no, of course, Radcliffe has something, of course, unnamed in mind. Fitz, oh, that's almost going to propel us to next week. Yeah, Fitz, meanwhile, uh, is uploading information into the uh, severed head of uh, Ada A. I guess, <laughs> um, or or is it? We're we're not quite sure with the switcheroos that have taken place here. Simmons, how about by... Ada HQ? <laughs> how about uh, let's like have numbers or identifying characteristics on 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 him? Well, Pete, the one the one that has that has a, a a shapely womanly figure. Let's call that Ada A. The one that has no figure from the neck on down. Let's call that Ada B. I'm calling this one Hada. <laughs> yeah. Hada Raid? Yeah. Ada Raid. <laughs> Ada Rad, Rad, Rad Ada. But anyway, we digress. Um, Simmons comes by just as Fitz is locking this away. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just locking her, her head away, you know. For, I'm not doing anything. I'm not for, doing anything. For for good. For 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 keepsies to never see again, you know, because boys with toys and other themes that have come up that are driving more than a subtle wedge between our lovebirds, Fitz and Simmons. Gemma, shut the door. I'll, I'll, I'll be right out. Um, regardless, back we go to the director's office. Mace was the invention that was required. Mace was a patriot already. Project Patriot served the need to uh, have another Captain America, which when that was first said, it was like, oh yeah, another Captain America, because wait a minute, Captain America is on the run and at the very least a wanted criminal in the MCU at this point and has been for the last eight or nine months. You have to really nice, really nice kind of story flourish there that Captain America, we know on the viewing end is going to end up, you know, still being the hero and whatnot, but you know, legally is, is uh, no good. You have to think too, how objectionable the idea would be for Coulson, somebody who's a Captain America fanboy, the the heresy that, that someone could replace him. And then that it was a fake Matt Given the tension in this scene with the guy who usurped his position as director. With that, Mace goes on to explain that he wanted to turn his little trip and fall in Vienna into something positive, something that benefits inhumans to stop the discrimination against inhumans. He says they deserve the same rights as everyone else. 
He's ready to resign, but Colson says no. Colson uh, tells Mace to keep being the public face of progress, to take the political end of things. And uh, Pete, it, it is in this scene where I think the show shines the most as uh, as as there's just such an earnestness on Mace's face where he wants to put himself out there into this uncomfortable position, this dangerous position to help the other. Yeah. And with that, uh, you know, bond being cemented here, Colson asserting that uh, he will be calling the shots behind the scenes. Indeed, Colson looking to build bridges there. And you know what, Pete, in these tumultuous times in our real world, Mace's concern for quote unquote, the other, it's a reminder of sticking to your ideals. And sure, you could go on your podcast and spend 90 minutes cursing at a choice you find pretty abhorrent, or you could just keep working together with others to build those bridges. So here's to, uh, here's to Colson and here's to Mace building that bridge. Tagged on to the end of the episode, we have maybe in front of her locker out of breath, Matt. And then she sees the wound uh, on the mirror there, able to see the wires. Um, Daisy comes by and she quickly obscures her wound uh, from her, you know, because it's just a scratch. Daisy explains everyone is gathering in the office. Are you sure you're okay? Matt, maybe, has never been better. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Pete, let's start with the sniper who knew there is only 13% chance of success. Pete, he was out there ready to uh, sacrifice himself and um, sacrifice made much for naught. I think the theme with the bad people in this episode, Matt, is one of... uh, relative anonymity or just the shadow that they are casting Two, you know, threats of the episode, one larger looming threat. And, you know, that we don't have maybe or Ada on our list of, uh, you know, people on the dossier this week, I think speaks to the fact that they're really, working on that long game as Radcliffe is. But Lee Harvey, what's-his-face, our, our Russian ex-Hydra, uh, you know, sniper, okay, he, he adds the threat of the moment. It, it is interesting to think that this episode, in many ways, did not feel transitional, um, probably in part because S.H.I.E.L.D. has just rather perfected its own style of of serialization and each week has, the episode has thrills but it contributes to the ongoing story etc cetera, etc cetera. um but it's interesting to think that though this isn't a setup episode um there's like not a bad guy there's the guy that does the shooting that they deal with for the first third and then there's you know some of the other people that we're going to talk about for the second third and the third third yes there's the omnipresent threat of radcliffe secretly but he kind of doesn't advance that for the the thrust of the episode nor does may as sleeper agent robot um again it's kind of it's an episode that is great fun and we haven't complained a lick about it it's it was you know rip roaring shield adventure with characters you care about and and uh, otherworldly certainly outside of our world you know, uh, experiences but it also kind of lacks a beginning to end bad guy yeah and with the next character uh guy who has a scar on his face is the best i can do um same type of thing. He provides a, a threat of the moment and, you know, we, we see him loom and leer at the very beginning of the episode in the, in the, you know, chaos that ensues when the, the sniper takes his shot. We see him battle Mac later on only to uh, be bailed out by maybe uh, he, he is what he needs to be in that, you know, uh, to a lesser extent than uh, Hatebeard under uh, Senator Nadir in last week's episode, it's it's simply another antagonistic body. 
and I think it helps too that we've we've laid plenty of uh, story pipe ahead of time with the Watchdogs, with frankly hate groups, and, and that was explored so well last week that you kind of get the momentum or you get kind of the the um, villainous overtones, the villainous whiff from the group and the circumstances going on previous. As soon as you say, "Oh, there's more bad guys coming out of the woodwork to get Mace." We certainly are, are connecting the dots to watchdogs, and uh, <laughs> though we try and keep real world politics out of things, uh, at least on the surface, Pete, the Walmart line clearly meant to have a little zing in terms of um, mindset of who they suspect or where they suspect the the shooter is coming from in terms of views and whatnot. Um, but uh, Pete, do we have any bad guys for the third third of the episode? We do, and that's, again, Dr. Radcliffe with the reveal uh, last week that he's been in full possession of all the facts with the the LMDs, that this is what he's trying to do and, and to, to perfect the bridge between biology and technology. Now that he's seen the error of his approach and recalculating it and what his plans are with maybe, particularly as she is coming to the realization, which he didn't want to happen, that she is an LMD. Certainly we're, we're starting to get a story curve set up here of the May copy made so well that maybe will will um do the right thing whether it's you know be the shield and thus maybe gets killed off or or reveal herself and be willingly shut down a la bucky at the end of uh captain america civil war but there's a sympathetic arc here which i think is an interesting story response in terms of may and maybe since the character is so tough there's kind of it it's tough for her to be sympathetic, so we're having sympathy by proxy in terms of maybe. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, was that a Judas bullet? Unquestionably, it's a Judas bullet. I love that if you've seen uh, if you've seen the Judas bullet on Luke Cage, it was immediately recognizable. I have to admit, between. Uh, typing notes and tweeting and whatnot. I was like, wait, that looks familiar. That looks familiar. And it took, uh, it, it, it took a little while for all the pieces to come together, but um, it's a great little bonus. It certainly is suggestive that as, as uh, Daisy said, you're not buying this, this uh, grade hardware from, you know, your local ammunition purveyor. And um, I don't know, just the idea of it, that the baddies from the one show are meeting up with the baddies from the other. If that's only as far as they go, that'll be good enough for me. I like the larger implication. And for those who have not seen Luke Cage, one, get on that. And two, um, the Judas bullet is manufactured um, from uh, literally space age materials, Matt. It is, uh, you know, from the incident and the Chitauri. Uh, reverse engineered there we we get to see its effects in a uh, essentially a commercial gone wrong and then uh, it is the the subject of uh, you know well how do you kill a uh, a man with impenetrable skin you find a bullet that's not even of this world and that a human who's taking a super serum is able to use a podium to block it because of his enhanced reflexes and uh, strength um, when it would have killed him in a way that it only uh, hurt Luke Cage. Pete, moving forward, I know we discussed a little bit about uh, trouble ahead maybe for Fitz and Simmons. I think it'll be an interesting shape to the season if we have them uh, starting the season as, you know, having the normal relationship things. Do you have a breakfast nook or do you not, et cetera. And um, I fear, Pete, that we might be on a path where there's going to be trouble in paradise. You can't have a fully formed story arc if 
they're finally together here four seasons in after, you know, friendship to maybe something more to, to heartbreak and, and setback to separation to now finally together and, and, you know, moving forward some secrets, so some, some trouble ahead. So I, I like what they're doing with, uh, you know, Fitz ever the scientist ever looking to perfect technology, certainly not on a level of Radcliffe, but Radcliffe as this, you know, kind of twisted mentor who goes too far and somebody who, is clearly a poor influence in terms of biotechnological ethics on Fitz, that he's keeping this now from Gemma Simmons. Fitz, 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 you're going to get yourself in trouble. Matt, I have one last one. So Colson will not be the director, but he will call the shots behind the scenes. Mace will continue to present this inhuman face to the team. Is that situation possible, nay, sustainable? Well, insofar as Jason O'Mara, as we've discussed before, is your seasonal guy around 50 years old, um... I don't know what their plans are for season five, um, other than I was reminded as a side note, Pete, that last year a whole bunch of shows, including S.H.I.E.L.D., were renewed in March. So we can get our hope, uh, the hope in our hearts moving uh, rather quickly. Um, I can only assume that Jason O'Mara, that his time on this show will run its course this season. So are they going to do a new, new director next season? Um, do they maybe bring him back, assuming that there's a renewal? Or does he go down in a blaze of glory like all the men in their 50s who play opposite Clark Gregg have in the prior seasons? I'll vote for the trend that he's going to go out in a blaze of glory and then, you know, maybe we end with Director Coulson this season. Maybe we end, heaven forbid, the series with Director Coulson at the end of this season. But uh, I, I don't think it's going to be sustainable. Let me throw out an idea responding to uh, to what you said, just in the way of this episode opening, you know, Mace handing the keys of the city over to Daisy, Daisy Johnson, who is highly placed with the shield in the comics. So maybe, Matt, from from rogue to uh, to boss lady uh, in the in the course of her overall arc. Uh, could certainly be compelling. Pete, the notion that somebody so ill-prepared uh, four years ago for for such a responsibility and such a weighty office could advance so far so quickly, yeah, I guess it is possible, come to think of it. Let's check the wire, Matt. Pete, we have a really thoughtful email from uh, Bruce Houghton. Hope I'm saying that correctly. Bruce says, I've been enjoying your podcast, and I just wanted to point out something you might not have noticed. Almost every time a named character says something racist about Inhumans, they are people of color. I'm not counting the watchdogs. Gonzalez, Agent Weaver, Agent Calderon, and Mac in Season 2, Mac's brother in Season 3, Sentinel Nadir this season, and I'm sure I've left a couple out. It's happened so often that it has to be on purpose. The only thing I can figure is that maybe uh, they think that having white characters spout that stuff would make them irredeemable, whereas someone from a minority will be cut a little more slack by the viewer. So, Pete, your thoughts there? That's definitely an interesting take given um, the dynamics of the world that we live in and the action metaphor TV show that we love to watch. Um, is it purposefully intentional? <sighs> I guess, Matt, I don't want to live in a world where only characters of color can, can say things that are derogatory towards other groups because, you know, they're minorities talking about minorities. It, it is fiction, though fiction, uh, you know, paralleling our world. It's certainly an interesting insight and observation. 
Well, I mean, I'm reminded of of the the classic Star Trek episode, "Let That Be Your Last Battlefield," which is the one with the the two aliens who have uh, opposing colors of white and black on their face. I, I think Bruce is onto something here, and I think that it it helps hide the metaphor just deep enough so that you say, "Wait a minute, Shield is." at least off the top of my head, S.H.I.E.L.D. is basically presenting, um, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is basically a place where it seems that certainly race and probably gender um, have a little impact in terms of discrimination. Yes, we all wish that there were more female superheroes and hopefully in the real world, Marvel is looking to, to, to attend to that. But, you know, there's not the storyline of, you know, of, uh, you know, Black Widow being put, you know, dealing with a glass ceiling, that sort of thing. So if you're presenting that as an ideal amongst your goodies and your baddies, and in humans are the metaphor for the feared other, just as mutants have been, if we can say that, um, I, I think it just kind of helps bury the metaphor even more that, I don't know, that, that A, you make a slightly more palatable product that it's not white person spouting um fictional racism about the inhumans but i think it all it's also this perspective that people in our world who might experience discrimination in their world where there is no discrimination we're we as a we as a human race are finding ways to discriminate against each other um and that's a that's a sad and poignant point there we will see matt on facebook Robert T. Frost writes in uh, two notes. I'm, I'm going to condense. But uh, first, he, he got in his, uh, his name for the, uh, the brother uh, Nadir character, uh, VJ, under his inhuman identity. He's, he's going with hashtag swoosh. Ooh. Although we get some great comic relief when he is on screen, I have a sneaking suspicion that the here he wrote supervisor and, and later we we corrected um via facebook uh he was referring to the superior character that was mentioned twice in last oh, week's episode yes. yes i'd forgotten all about the character just might be general talbot who has been a reluctant ally at best what a great twist that would be he continues, Matt. He also saw that Patton Oswald is returning to the show. Are the Koenigs, our Doctor Strange tie-in? Will Eric and Billy be trans-dimensional or interdimensional versions of the same person able to transport the Darkhold to a safe place? I can't wait to find out no matter what the show brings. What do you think of what old Robert T. Frost had to say on the Facebook, Matt? I think it's some great theories. I I worry that because the show is so senior at this point with this, the 76th episode, and we kind of know the patterns to it, I worry a little bit about the idea that a, a, a character as um, long existing in the show as, uh, as the good old general there, General Talbot, the idea of there being, and surprise, Talbot is Watchdog reveal i i kind of feel like that would almost be a bridge too far versus just there's a new bad guy out there which is you know creating a new group to oppose our to to oppose our heroes i'm certainly not disagreeing with uh with robert there i think that it's a good theory i just kind of feel too like i don't know adrian pazdar does such a great job with the character i feel like he could just recur 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 for the length of the series um that would be certainly my vote as to the idea of the Koenigs playing a role in the resolution of the Darkhold story, let me stick a pin in that for a moment to say, A, we as fans must be overjoyed that Patton Oswalt is coming back. B, I think that we all we all felt an extra bit of sympathy uh, for him as a person mm -hmm. merely because of his time on the show when, when his wife uh, passed away uh, so unexpectedly last year. So I feel good that the S.H.I.E.L.D. family of actors and the S.H.I.E.L.D. family as a production can have him back, that he's ready for that sort of thing, um, ready to go back to work and all that, you know, says about your your mental state, your self-esteem, et cetera, et cetera. A couple of bucks as well, I'm sure. So it's all good news, all good news there. 
Matt Greg Gear wrote in to our Facebook page as well, and he wrote. Uh, so he was rewatching Broken Promises last week's episode, and he doesn't think Ada cut off Maybe's face. He thinks instead she was implanting something. Could be the camera that Radcliffe's now spying with, but uh, he thinks it would come standard with all Android models. Hopefully we'll see tonight. Matt, I'm still not completely sure what went on there. Um, I would tend to, given what we watched in this episode, side a little bit more strongly with Greg's analysis. I don't quite understand the need to, you know, cut the face of maybe and and then what transpired. But uh, hopefully that gets clarified. Absolutely. And and I mean... (laughs) To have a to have a robot switcheroo robot double times two because we have you know two maze and two Adas and whatnot it, it it's kind of so ridiculous sounding and the fact that the show was able to to stick it as well as it has and keep it kind of um, centered you know it's not a silly episode it's it's um, it's serious stuff uh, certainly they are to be commended for that. Lastly, Matt, Nick Schenkel writes in, and he had a couple thoughts from this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. One, did they just use a Judas bullet from Luke Cage? Heck yes. Heck yes. I think we've answered that one a little earlier here, but uh, still important to to draw that connection. Two, uh, some theory fodder. The superior is Agent Blake, right? Ooh. We have seen him aligned with the watchdogs before. Um, so so something there. Uh, certainly we can uh, we can chew over three knew that Mace wasn't inhuman. So Nick had called that Four, any chance that Project Patriot will tie into the nuke subplot from Jessica Jones. So Nick doesn't just want it uh, sometimes connected, Matt. He wants it hashtag all connected he wants his luke cage and his jessica jones his peanut butter and his chocolate together well i mean as we've discussed before the fact that the defenders um quartet of shows are so interconnected and designed to be etc etc and the fact that that agent carter uh as much as it could be by its you know 50 or 60 year time difference from the present was interconnected with agents of shield we all want to see the shield defenders crossover somehow. And, and I know we've discussed before that perhaps a version of that, uh, unfortunately takes place after shield has, uh, has run its course by having, you know, the special Colson in may crossover episode, or they guest star on six of the 12 episodes of, you know, season four of daredevil, that kind of thing. Um, but let's have it happen now. Let's have the big, let's have the big thing happen now. Um, so sure. I, I'm happy to have Pete, Pete, I don't know what food analogy you want to use, but, but how about we just make this a, a Supreme pizza with everything on it. And, uh, and let's just, let's mix it all together here. Well, given that defenders is filming and agents of shield is still in production, Matt, I know they teased us at uh, New York Comic Con. When was S.H.I.E.L.D. going to begin to react to what was happening in New York? We can only hold out hope that once March rolls around and Iron Fist is is seen by the world and now all four Defenders will have gotten their, their first season and we are building towards sometime this year the, the Defenders miniseries that – the agents of shield will somehow some way interact with our defenders in New York. Uh, it's, it's the dream, Matt. I hope this wasn't the crossover that, uh, that Jeff Loeb was hinting at, you know, the Judas bullet comes to agents of shield in one, you know, kind of, I, I can't imagine that that would be the end of it. Well, if anybody knows it's spoiler Pete. So Pete, want to take a moment to thank all our patrons on patreon.com slash fantastic geek particularly pete a pair of awesome ladies yes starting matt with uh mary kirk who uh generously 
donating at the level she does. And uh, coming coming up fast behind, though not donating at a particular level, but generous nonetheless, a, a one-time gift from uh, listener and uh, follower and pal Jamie Payton, who we've been uh, lucky enough to run into in person at New York Comic-Con a couple times. So thank you, ladies, both for keeping uh, Fantastic Geek afloat via the Patreon. Particularly as that as that back catalog grows ever larger with each thing that we podcast, it's all uh, it's all made possible by by those patrons. So thank you again. Yes, big round of thanks going out to all our other patrons. If you want to get in on that, and we are working on some additional perks for the people who are so generous to uh, help contribute to the podcast there. Get yourself over to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, forward slash fantastic geek. All sorts of exclusives involved and just know you're helping us out quite a bit with things like storage, bandwidth, etc. to help bring this thing that we do to you. It basically prevents us from keeping it all on a severed robot head. That's that's kind of the bottom line there. But Pete, always at the freebie level, is interacting with you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J, Ketelar, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,720 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast 24-7, just like Bruce was. You can uh, reach out to us. We are Fantastic Geek. That is Fantastic with the P and the H on FantasticGeek.com, FantasticGeek at gmail.com, FantasticGeek on Twitter and Instagram. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with the PH all one word like us today. Who knows what number thumb you will become. Pete, we will be back next week as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. continues this middle pod O episodes. So I will say adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. Damn if we didn't squeeze this episode like a lime wedge on dollar beer night. <laughs> <laughs>